Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Buxton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy, I missed you. I missed you. I haven't seen you in so long. I feel like, I mean, almost maybe two weeks. I know. Well, I guess we recorded last time two weeks ago. Oh, you're right. On Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And then we had Thanksgiving week. Wonderful week with our families. So nice. Yeah. Sad it's over. Sad it's over. But also kind of happy to have my kids back at Mother's Day (laughs) out. (laughs) Thank goodness they're going back to school. We thought it was going to be a pit, but it ended up being our peak that we bought a 14-foot Christmas tree. <laughs> okay. I, I'm so jealous because for the first time ever, I have high ceilings in my yeah. new house. And I'm dying for a giant Christmas tree. So I can't wait to hear all about it because, I mean, how did you get it home? Who helped you put it up? Like, I, I was so impressed. So we moved last year. And so last Christmas, it was our first Christmas in our newer house. And we got, you know, the traditional eight foot Christmas tree and it just, it looked puny. And it did. (laughs) And we have this, this, our new house, our living room at the highest point, it's like 24 feet. It's huge. And so we were wanting a 12 foot tree. So we went to Wells family farm tree farm down in Norman. They are the most we, we don't have any sponsors, but... <laughs> right, we're, but we're going to one day. We're working on it. Um, but they are the nicest family. The service at this place, Catherine, was insanely good. Like, Did you actually cut this tree down? No. So what happened was... we tried to do this last year, and I have a whole story yeah, about yeah. it. But. So we kind of thought that's what we were going to do, but he told me that on Black Friday, so we went on Saturday, on Black Friday, they sold like 500 trees. So most of the trees you could cut down had been cut already, but they had still a ton of trees. He actually, the tree we got ended up being from Wisconsin, not from the actual farm, but he was like, this one's super fresh. We just got it. Um, But we told him, we're like, we want a 12 foot tree. They kind of showed us some 11 foot trees. and, And then he was like, wait, we have two 12 foot trees in the back. So they like, we go to the back of the farm. He pulls them out. One, I mean, they're both, they seem Way bigger than 12, it sounds like. Yeah. And he starts explaining to us that like Chisholm Creek got their tree from this farm too. And like, so Jeff and I are looking at each other like, these are shopping mall trees. Like, this is <laughs> like, <laughs> this, is, this is the real deal. We're yeah. going to need to buy some more lights. Exactly. So, you know, he starts, you know, explaining us the difference. I can't remember the exact type of tree we got. It wasn't a Fraser, it wasn't a Douglas, but some are other. Was it a noble fir? Was it it a wasn't blue? a noble. I got something blue. Something yes, last yes, year? yes, yes. Whatever the blue thing is was. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Does it kind of almost have like a little like tint? Yes, on the under the, it's like on the other side of the needles. Oh, it's oh my a little gosh. bit blue. That's what I've got to go get one. Yes. That was my favorite. Honestly, Catherine, these people were the nicest people. Oh, I'm going to go tomorrow. But um, so they like show us the tree. We pick it. He's like, I can't unwrap it for you to look at it because when we, we can't get it back together to then put on your car. So it takes an hour for them to like get the tree loaded on top of the car. Meanwhile, we I mean, there's like a donut place. There's like a taco place, whatever. So we get donuts. It's called Donut Man. Also not sponsored which because we don't have any, oh but best donut I've ever freaking had. I'm, donut man. Mm-hmm, it's a, it's a truck. It's called the donut man. They're mini donuts. Do they cook them right there in front yes, of you? So oh fresh. Gosh, so. But so we get the tree home and the tag on the tree, we realize says 13 feet. So we're like, Oh, okay. A little bigger. We stand it up. Thank God I'd had them cut off and like a full foot off the trunk. I mean, it was, it's, it's over 14 feet. (laughs) 
So we like start to get out our ornaments and our lights and we realize quickly we don't have enough. We do one wrap of lights around the tree and we turn them on and it was like so sparse. So it ended up being our project for the full weekend, which was kind of nice because we kind of hunkered down anyway and just were hanging out at home. But it was it was one of those things where at first we were like, oh my gosh, we like sort of immediately regret this. But now that it's now like... that it's up and done. Deck, and, yes. Oh, so I am jealous. so excited. But I'm also... Jeff and I are like, who who did we do this for? Just ourselves? Nobody's coming over. I mean, we don't have... Like, we yes, can't have a Christmas yourselves. party. <laughs> so it's like... But there's really nothing I like more than waking up in the morning with a cup of coffee. Yes. It's totally quiet in my house. I turn on the Christmas tree lights and now I have this new fancy little fireplace. You flip the switch and it comes on. Like, I just want to sit there and look at the tree. That's exactly what I've done. Fire. It's even if it only lasts for five minutes is the happiest. Well, that's why I keep telling Jeff, cause we wake up in the morning and it, the tree's off and I'm like, no, 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 we, I want that. Like the tree needs to be on. And he's like, well, it's a waste of power to do all night. I'm like, that's fine. Just set the timer for it to come back on at like 6am so when you walk. Yes. In so that when we walk in the room, it's lit. But so I guess that would be like, we thought it was going to be the pit, but it ended up being amazing. And I, I really, honestly, this Wells family farm, I cannot, they were the nicest people. The guy who, the the guy who owns the farm was the one helping us with our tree. And he was so kind. Um, he said that they like still have a bunch of trees. Do they have any more tall ones? I'm going to call. You should call. I mean, he, he said that they, he thinks they'll sell out by maybe next weekend. So maybe like the, like the fifth. Or fifth the, yeah. yeah. So get there quick. Yes. So I would say go this week, but it was so cute. I mean, the people were, I I cannot, the service was incredible. I mean, I've never. Wait, I've got one really quick question though. Talk to me about the pumpkin pie the morning after Thanksgiving. Did you have your pumpkin pie? Of course. What, like, did you put whipped cream on of it? Of course. Did you enjoy it like by yourself and the kitchen island? Like, how did it go down? Because I was so, thinking about you on Friday morning. I actually technically didn't have it for breakfast. I waited till the kids were asleep because there was only one piece left. And I am that much of a monster that I didn't want my children to know that I was eating pie. <laughs> so I waited till their afternoon nap and then I had it then. But it was wonderful. Honestly, Ingrid's like their pies are they so we got pumpkin and pecan from them. Their pecan pie was so good. Like, I mean the pumpkin was great, but the pecan, holy cow. It does taste very good. It's good. Well what was yours? Gosh, well, I had a I saw you on Wednesday and my life has been sort of wild since then. On the I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud on 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 the podcast, but I left I I thought that my daughter was exposed to covid oh, right. oh god <laughs> so on tuesday i got a message saying that a friend of hers was had to be tested for covid they'd had a sleepover on saturday night so i pulled her out of school i went to go get a covid test i kept her in quarantine for 2 days eventually we got the test back she was negative but i was waiting to hear for the, about the friend on Thursday morning, I had to take the whole family to go get a COVID test because we were going to Turks and Caicos for Thanksgiving, and you, they won't let you into Turks and Caicos unless you have a negative test. So Thursday morning, we all go for a test. It was my very first COVID test. I was terrified because I was afraid that that Q-tip was going to go so far up into my brain that it was going to really hurt. So it ended up being fine. We go for another COVID test on... I'm waiting, waiting, waiting because I don't want to go out of town if Neely's friend... Had COVID, COVID, right? Then neely has got a quarantine. So at 1.30 on Thursday, the mom texts me and says that the friend is negative. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. So 
I had everybody packed. Neely and Gracie and I had to fly to Denver to go to the passport office in Denver on Friday morning because I let my children's passports expire and <laughs> didn't really deal with it till the last minute. And so we flew to Denver, but it was really wonderful because on Thursday night, we got to see some friends for dinner that had moved to Denver in June, my friend Carla and her kids, Phoebe and Olivia. And we saw them for dinner. We had such a nice time. And then on Friday morning, we went to the passport office. I didn't realize how the whole process worked, but you sit there for two hours. I didn't feed my kids. It was sort of a mess, but we got our passports. We went back to the Denver airport. We then, so that was one suitcase. I had another suitcase that I had to ship UPS to Dallas. Stop. Yes. On Thursday afternoon, we fly from Denver to Dallas on Friday afternoon. We get to Dallas. The bag has arrived, luckily, because on Saturday, we fly with my with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and their three kids to Costa Rica because every Thanksgiving, the weekend before Thanksgiving, we go with usually like 20 other families, maybe more, 30 other families to Costa Rica, to San Jose, to build a house for an organization called Homes for Hope. So this is the sixth house that we've done and we were not going to miss it, but there were only three families this year. My sister-in-law, brother-in-law, and the other family that sort of started this. So we fly to Costa Rica. We build a house on Saturday. No, no, on Sunday and Monday for this really lovely family. It was so on Tuesday morning, we then fly to Turks and Caicos. And then my husband and my mother-in-law meet us in Turks and Caicos. So that was really where the vacation actually started. So we were on this little at this little resort in Turks and Caicos, and it was absolutely beautiful. When we, I will say, when we were pulling up to the house that we got, the lady that was driving us on the golf court said that it was Keith Richards' house. (laughs) And so, of course, my husband and my brother-in-law thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Did you like search the house? Oh, we did. We did a full investigation. We found nothing that would indicate it was Keith Richards' house. But then Jim started doing all this research online and realized that Christy Brinkley was next door. Oh, well. But we never saw her either. Just so you know, we looked looked for all famous people. Supposedly, there's lots of famous people that have houses on this island, but we never saw any. But we just lounged around and ate everything in sight and sat by the pool and the ocean and the kids had a blast. And you know what? I love, I love traveling with my in-laws and I know everyone can't say that, but we have the best time. So, and then we came home late last night. It was sort of planes, trains, and automobiles, but we're home and back to real life. I just like the shipping of a suitcase would stress me out. Oh, it was so stressful. Oh, and then I had another suitcase that Jim had to bring to Turks and Caicos. There were three rounds of suitcases. Oh, my gosh. I almost had a complete and total meltdown on Thursday before we left dealing with just the suitcases. Yeah. Well, because, yes, because we recorded with Emma on Wednesday. So (laughs) it was And nobody had packed anything, and I didn't even know whether or not we were going. Oh, my God. But it was so much fun. We did have a Thanksgiving dinner it was sort of funny. You don't really say happy Thanksgiving to people in Turks and Caicos, but we had a Thanksgiving dinner on thir- on, thir- on Thursday night, I guess, at the resort. And the turkey that they made was absolutely beautiful. They brought the whole turkey out with all these herbs sticking out of the back of it. It was one of the best turkeys I've ever eaten. They had macaroni and cheese that was delicious. It was the meal was was really almost perfect. The stuffing wasn't very good. The stuffing was kind of weird, but the rest of it was 
Well, and you didn't have to cook it. And I didn't have to cook it or clean it. Oh, that was the thing. I didn't do one dish, one piece of laundry. I didn't even get my own breakfast. I didn't do anything. Oh my god. For five days straight. And then this morning, my I'll say my pit was this morning <laughs> when everybody woke up and started screaming at me. I don't like that toast. Where are my socks? Did it I mean it was a I'm too hot. I'm too cold. It was a total mess this morning. But now I'm happy to see you. I'm so, I'm so glad happy we're back to and see you. I'm looking forward to the guests that we have coming up and I'm so excited about the holiday season. I know it's crazy that it's already Christmas time, but um, so Emma Ryan is a vitality coach as well as the co-owner of Plant, which is a plant-based restaurant in Midtown on Walker Avenue. I loved our conversation with her. She's just, she's had such an amazing ride to where she is today, including how she got hit by a truck in Amsterdam, but it ultimately saved her life. So enjoy our conversation with Emma Ryan. Hi, this is Catherine, one of the hosts of Action City. I have two loves, fashion and food. So far, I've only figured out how to make one of them a career. Owning Greta Sloan, Oklahoma City's premier fashion destination, has been the highlight of my 20-plus years in the industry. It's a place where people and creativity come together. My team and I do the hard work of curating designers from all over the world and then narrowing down the best of their creations to make the shopping experience one of discovery and fun. We want our clients to eye their treasures from Greta Sloan as the favorite pieces in their closets and the ones that bring them the most joy to wear. We'll see you at the shop in Nichols Hills Plaza off 63rd and Western or check us out on Instagram at Greta Sloan, G-R-E-T-T-A-S-L-O-A-N-E. Welcome back to Action City. We are here with Emma Ryan, Vitality Coach, owner and founder or co-owner with your sister of Plant. Yeah. Um, and we're so excited she's here. So welcome. Thanks. I'm welcome. To be here. Hey guys. We're like giggling because before we started recording, we talked for like 30 minutes. <laughs> I know. About we basically had a, another podcast before this podcast. We're just gonna have to download another another podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we're a little giddy. <laughs> so we'll start at the beginning of MRIN. When where were you born? I was born in Denver, Colorado. Okay, I was going to ask, because I know your dad was the chef at the Broadmoor. Yes. So was that when you were, how old were you when that happened? Yeah, I think he was there when I was born. And then like right after I was born, he left the Broadmoor. And then he had a catering company for a few years. And then, I mean, or maybe a couple of years, because I think I moved to Edmond when I was two. Oh, okay. So like I was a baby like i don't remember this transition obviously but and why did you guys come to edmund so my dad's family is all in colorado but my mom's family was all in edmund and then my mom wanted us to grow up with her parents with my grammy and grampy who are today still in edmund so we we came to edmund and grew up with my mom's fam so where did you go which schools did you go to in edmund so I went to Cleggern Elementary and then Russell Doherty Elementary and then Central Middle School and then Edmond Memorial High School. Okay. So you graduated from Memorial. Yeah. Gotcha. So in yeah. Edmond growing up, where did you go to eat? Like, oh my God. Um, Carl's Jr. <laughs> I've never actually been to Carl's Jr. I feel I like I'm missing been. out on like a cultural experience. <laughs> I'm being honest. Like it was my favorite growing up, <laughs> but I ate straight trash um, until I was like Fifteen, I think. Okay, so on that note, you ate straight trash. What happened at home? Did you did somebody cook and you guys sat down at the dinner table? Were you 
Did you think about food or was it just sustenance? It was, How was, what was your relationship with food before you were 15? So like when I was a kid, I loved to experiment. Like my sister was the athlete. She had like soccer practice every day. She still is. Yeah, she still is. She's a freaking rock star. Yeah. <laughs> and then like I came home and I was like, I want to eat, um, <laughs> which is still true. Um, but like, so growing up, like my dad would be like, oh yeah, I'll teach you how to make things. And he would let me make these nasty concoctions. Like I remember getting mixing bowls out and putting like ketchup and mustard and flour and sugar in a bowl and stirring it up. And my dad would eat it and tell me that I made something wonderful. Um, <laughs> Even if it was horrible. And it was always probably what a terrible. Great dad. Yeah. Right. Such a sweetheart. So I always loved to experiment and eventually that probably turned into like real food. But I remember I would like spend my free time like organizing the pantry or like organizing the refrigerator and like putting certain condiments. Like I just always wanted to be around food. Um, and so, yeah, I would experiment and probably eat nasty, nasty things, but it was never healthy. Like health was never on the table. It was just like what tastes good. So that wasn't a conversation growing up about every plate is a vegetable and not really. Like I remember my dad used to always make us eat vegetables, but like he would also let me cover them in Hidden butter. Valley Ranch dressing. Oh, ranch. Okay. And butter I've, I've, and everything else. I've done that before. Yeah. <laughs> I've let my kids do that. Yeah. So it was like they were important, but like they weren't the star. It wasn't the star. No, no, no. No, definitely. Like, dad would make like creme brulee and bananas foster and meat and like all sorts of like amazing things when it was like special occasions. And it was just loaded with like sugar and cream and butter and like, oh my God, it was so good. But your dad was, was he a French trained chef? Yeah. So he was at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. So it was like all very fine dining, very fr- French influenced, whatever. Yeah. So then, so at 15, you kind of decide maybe I should change my habits or is this when you... Yeah. So then like fast forward, like my middle school years, my dad was working for Nature's Plus, which was like a supplement company. So then he like learned all of this stuff. Like he would... That's a turn of events. Yeah. Like he would travel to like all these different trainings and seminars and like learn about like echinacea and elderberry and olive leaf and like all of these things. So then like in my middle school, high school years, if we were ever sick or something, he always had a remedy like some like tincture or whatever and he like got into this like more of like a hippie you know at the thing it was like considered hippie whatever to like well, especially in Edmonds take all of these the herbs right 90s? yeah would this been the 2000s yeah, this was like early 2000s early 2000s yeah and so anyway then I remember like learning like oh we don't take Advil we like eat magnesium or like whatever it might have been. So then I remember learning those things. And then like the beginning of high school, like my weight was always like super up and down, like always fluctuated. Then I started to have just like inflammatory issues and digestive issues. And so I had a friend of mine who was like, you should probably eat plant-based. And I was like, what is that? Um, and that was, who I, was the friend? I mean, who oh was my the gosh. light bulb? That Mad- person. Her name was Madison Beckhill. Um, she's <laughs> what still is she lives doing in Oklahoma now? City. Okay. I don't know. I haven't talked to her recently. I feel shout out to Thank Madison. you, Madison. Yeah. If you're listening. Um, but no, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time where I was just like, finally at my end point, I was like, I'm done with feeling tired. Like I was like this little stress ball of a kid. Cause like, imagine like your inside is so upset. Then like your outside is also so upset, like internal and external, like the internal stress started to affect my external world. And so even as like a 16 year old, I was just like freaking like anxiety ridden, stressed out kid. 
And so, and she was just like, you should really chill out. Was she also 16 or was she older? No, she was that way. But her mom was born and raised vegetarian. Mm. Her dad was a professional football player who had gone vegetarian and gluten-free. So she grew up eating this way and like saw the benefits and knew all about it. Game changers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, I love that movie. Oh my God, me too. I freaking love that movie. But yeah, so she was like, you should eat plant-based. And I literally was like, what is that? I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I didn't know what it was. Well, I think I would have said the same thing in the early 2000s. What is left? Like, what do you eat if you don't eat meat? Because I was eating meat like six times a day. I was like, I'd also gone through that phase of like, let's do like the, what is it? Like the body competition type diets where you eat like two ounces of this and six ounces of this. Oh, like my crazy trainer 12 times a day. Yes. Did that. Like nothing ever really worked or like felt good. So anyway, then I said like, okay, yeah, I'll go plant-based for a year. Like, let's just give it a try. Wait, you didn't just say I'll go for a week. You like went from zero to a year. So she challenged me to seven days. So I went vegan for seven days and lost like 12 pounds. Wow. And I mean, I was a big kid at the time. And so that was like a game changer for me. I was like, whoa, I have energy. I'm sleeping better. Like things just, I'm not as stressed. Like things just shifted. And so then I was like, okay, I'm doing this for a year and let's see what happens. Well, then the year happened and like, I don't even know. I mean, that was 10 years ago now. So I never looked back. So if I decided to go plant-based right now, it would be fairly easy for me, right? I'd oh, run yeah. out to Whole Foods. I'd go to plant. I'd 100%. run down to organic squeeze. Like I would have my spots. Correct. 10 years ago, Edmund, high school, <laughs> how do you go plant-based? What, uh, what does that look like? Do you have to cook every single meal yourself? I mean, you go to Othello's and you're like, can I get a salad yeah. with no bacon? And they're probably like, what are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, um, yeah. And my family was not super supportive of it. They were like, This sounds nuts. Like, we don't want you to do this. Where are you going to get your protein? Everybody's favorite question. Um, I remember going to (laughs) Walmart and being like, I'm just going to get apples and some carrots and some broccoli. And I literally lived off of apples, carrots and hummus and steamed broccoli for like three months because I didn't even know what I could and couldn't eat. Hmm. I didn't know the rules. I didn't even know if I could have rice. Like, I had no idea that rice was a plant. Um, So I just like learned through experience and like started reading cookbooks and started doing a lot of research and watching documentaries. And then then all of a sudden we got our first, um, it was sunflower before it was sprouts. Remember that? I camped out Wait, in Edmond, Oklahoma. Wait, was that where Aikens was? No, it's not related no, to Aikens. I no. It's uh downtown. Do you know where Sprouts is right yes. now in Edmond? Like yeah. Broadway area, uh-huh. like second and Broadway, I think. Used to be called Sunflower. And Sprouts bought them out. So Sunflower was a grocery store chain. And they okay. were like ba- biggest competitor with Sprouts. And so Sprouts bought them out. But anyway, I camped out just so I could be first in line so I could get like $100 worth of free groceries. And I was pumped. Oh and then stop. I did the same thing when Whole Foods came to OKC. What? You could camp out at Whole Foods? For- oh, absolutely. They had like the what first 50 doing? people got like a swag bag and all sorts of stuff. And you're like, I'm getting that bag. Oh, yeah. I was like, I am going to be first in line. So... But take me back because you find out you have cancer. Yeah. So that was after. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how old were you when that happened? So I was diagnosed with cancer when I was 19, I believe. I think I was 19. So I was already in the plant-based world. So, I mean, the truth is when I was 15, I was told that I was infertile. So I was told, like, you have so many hormonal issues going on. Like, you're never going to be able to have kids. 
And we just thought that it was like, maybe I had a thyroid problem. Maybe I was just super overweight. My body was freaking out. We just didn't know. Nobody knew at the time. They did all these studies, all these whatever. And they were like, we don't know why, but this is just the hand you were dealt. Um, But then at the same time, I had like serious, serious digestive issues. Like I wasn't going to the bathroom. And then it was, I mean, it was terrible for a long time. I was hospitalized a couple of times. Um, so that's really why I went plant-based was like the weight stuff, all these other things, all of that seemed to be getting a ton better. Uh, then like after high school, I got in culinary. So I got my first job as like a raw food pastry chef at Matthew Kenny when that was in class and curve. I was 17. We're going back to that because we yes. want to know all about that too. Yeah. I was okay, keep 17 going. when I was hired there. And then, I mean, truthfully, if you work for Matthew Kenny, anybody will hire you. Like, yeah. Especially when you're talking like, I wanted to go abroad. I wanted to get out of Oklahoma. I wanted to be like, I want to go see the world. And in Europe, Matthew Kenny is like the God's gift to earth. If you're in the plant-based world. Um, I mean, he's that way too here, I guess, but even more so in Europe, in my opinion. So I got hired by a company and I took an internship in Turkey for six months. And then I moved to Korea for six months. And then I was in Amsterdam and the Netherlands for a year, helping open a restaurant there and teach cooking classes and do all that stuff. So while I was in the Netherlands, I got run over by a car and I was in the hospital. They thought I had a brain bleed. So they did a full body scan. And that's when they found the tumor that was on my thyroid. What? So that's when I found out I had cancer. Oh, I always thought that you had cancer and then you did plant-based, but it was actually after. Okay. Yeah. So I really did plant-based for like all the other issues. Right. Which I'm sure were related. Right. So now like any long story short, I had found out I had a tumor. I had to wait like I was in a wheelchair for like 12 weeks. Oh my gosh. I had to wait four months. In the Netherlands? Mm -hmm. By yourself? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I had a roommate and like an awesome like mom there like my roommate's mom was like my second mother she still is um and so they helped take care of me and like luckily the government there take helps take care of you and stuff like that too um so once i could travel home which was like three or four months after i got hit i was like fully recovered where i could walk again and everything else then i moved home and started going to doctors here and trying to figure out therapies and stuff and they basically they ended up sending me because i still had the gut issues and everything, they thought that that is what was causing the tumors. But now like my specialists think it was the other way around. Like they think the tumors and like the cancer was causing all of the other things. So they think the cancer was there for a long time. Yeah. They think that that was probably undiagnosed and went undiagnosed when I was starting at 15. Oh, wow. So, I mean, there's no way of knowing, right? Like there's, I mean, you can't go back. So the car crash, Saved your Saved life. Saved my really. life. hundred percent. Yeah. So you sort of got to see the world and yeah. then you were brought back. Yeah. And it was like, no, I think I'm supposed to be here. Like I'm supposed to be a part of this community and I'm supposed to bring like my knowledge and passion here versus where it's needed versus to a city where it already exists. Wow. And what, at what point in time did you sort of start coaching people on the side the and that sort day, of developed into a business or did yeah. you say, okay, I'm going to start this vitality coaching business, the nutrition coaching business so the, and then like, get your first client? I think the month I moved back from Amsterdam, whenever I had just like healed my stuff, I started going to back to school for nutrition. Um, and then I think it was two weeks after I my last treatment of radiation that I called the Choate House and said, I want to launch my business. I need you to build me a website. <laughs> that was good. You got in early with the Choate House. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was when they were taking teeny yeah. tiny little businesses. Yes, it's true. <laughs> so, I mean, it literally, like, I was, like, planning it all. And, like, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Like, I, I knew I'm going through all of this and I'm learning all of this and I'm seeing the medical side and I'm seeing the worst of the medical side, truly. Like, I'm seeing what happens to patients and I'm seeing the ups and the downs and the lack of resources and the lack of knowledge and the lack of support. And I want that. And I want to be that person for somebody else. So then I was able to take my knowledge of food and now my knowledge of nutrition and like just everything I had been through and put that together into a coaching business. So when people hear vitality coach, I know it takes some explaining. How do you explain that? Um, The best way to put it is like, I do like nutritional and lifestyle like consulting um, or coaching. Some people don't even resonate with the word coaching because they think of a life coach, which doesn't necessarily have much certification or value to it. A lot of the time, sometimes it does, but that's just kind of what people think. Um, So the best way I can put it is I help you figure out what's wrong and like get you from where you are now to where you want to be. Um, and typically I just try to make it super specific to that person because everybody is walking in with their own issues. Like I work with a lot of people who have diabetic issues or heart issues or thyroid issues, or just, they want to lose weight and feel better. Um, whatever it is. So like, I try to just talk to them about like people who I've worked with in the past and what I've seen in the past and what I could maybe help them with if they're up for it. What's don't tell us names, but what's the success story that you're most proud of the client that you, I might, you cry. hadn't been I was going to say, I just saw it. <laughs> uh, so it would have turned out differently for this person. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you can do this. You I'm going to try this. not to cry. Cause I, I cry to this day when I see them. Um, it was the cool, Oh God, there's so many. The first one that comes to mind, though is what I have to say. So, um, it was a male. I'll put it that way. Oh, well, I can at least say that. You can narrow it down to that. Yeah. It was a male. My first, he had heard about me through his therapist. Um, he was kind of going to therapy for years and years and years. He was a previous alcoholic. He had been sober for, I think his six year anniversary is coming up next week. So at that time, he'd probably been sober for four years and he was just out of control. Like he had basically taken his addiction to alcohol and turned it into an addiction with food. Um, which is really common, even with people who have not been alcoholics. Like we're all addicted to food in one way or another, where whether we're using it to cope or whatever. So anyway, his counselor was like, I think you need to hire someone who can really work with you on food specifically. Um, he was also a firefighter. So we're working with a lot of PTSD. He was a firefighter at the Murrah Building bombing. Um, so you're working with a lot of PTSD, a lot of stress, a lot of different things that come into place with that career. And then also the alcohol, the addiction problem. My first meeting with him, so he hired me on the spot. He called and just said, someone told me that you're the person I need to hire. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it is. I need to start tomorrow. My first meeting with him was the very next day. It lasted all of maybe seven and a half minutes. Um, He had so much anxiety and so much trauma He could not sit still. He could not hold a conversation. And even when we were meeting, he was constantly looking around the room and looking. I mean, it was just, he sat on the edge of his chair the whole time. His wife was with him. She was the opposite of that. She was very calm, very nurturing, very sweet. Um, 
he he said to send me what I need to do and I'll and I'll do it and I'll see you next week. And I told him that I wanted him to start eating fruit and he almost fired me on the spot because he was taught that fruit made you fat or that what? fruit had too much sugar, right? That's another misconception myth. or myth, whatever. Um, fast forward six months later, he is going to a yoga class every single morning. He's running five miles a day. He has a beautiful family with children who he spends more time than not with. His wife is calling me saying, you've changed everybody's world. Like our kids now know who their father is and they have Aww. eight kids. Oh my um, he retired from firefighting. He's doing a different career full time. He is a different human. Like not, I mean, he lost weight. He has less inflammation, all of those things, but he is a functioning, loving human. And it all came down to the food he was eating and the emotions that he was coping and he was using food to do that. So like there's so much that goes into the nutrition aspect of that, but there's also just so much psychology and emotional therapy and mindset that goes into food. But it is a, it's a super emotional topic for anybody and everybody that I'm working with. It's never just food. I mean, everybody walks away and they're like, oh, you're actually like my therapist too. <laughs> That's what, yeah. I mean, so I was a client of Emma's with my husband. We did it to lose weight because I think we were kind of fed up with ourselves. And But then we <laughs> joked that it was our weekly therapy session. Yeah. We would come afterwards and you were, you were so inviting to those conversations. And if we had had an argument, you were like, what were you guys fighting about? And <laughs> it wasn't in like a prying way. It was in like a genuine, like, let's talk about it. And yeah. we really like left with a lot of emotional growth. And yeah, I think for us, food was very tied to, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be celebration or defeat, it was right. very tied to emotions for us. And we had no clue. Right. And I think a lot of people don't realize that because you think like, you know, you see that that mean girls thing where it's like girls who don't eat anything, Mm. girls who eat their feelings. (laughs) And you're like, oh, yeah. So obviously emotional eating is just like that. But it's not. It's it manifests itself differently for a lot of different people. Yeah. Well, I mean, like anybody can find a meal plan online. Right. Anybody like you have every single person in this world has access to figure out what they should be eating. But then why don't they do it? Like, right, there has to be coaching. There has to be someone helping you. There has to be accountability. There has to be the training on why you choose those things. And how are we going to get past that? How are we going to work through the mental barriers that you started to believe when you were a kid or the things that just happened in your life that caused you to have these belief systems that now cause you to make poor choices or to self-sabotage or whatever it might be. Or the opposite, not eat. Right. Right. Like you have to work through those things if you're actually going to make a lifestyle change, which is why I won't work with anybody for less than six months. Well, and with us, you did those personality things, which was really helpful. Um, I mean, you did, it was more than just drink water, exercise, Cut out sugar. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did tell me those things. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, those things were on the yeah. list. Uh, but yeah. yeah, no, it was very cool. Yeah. I would highly recommend, I yeah. mean, to anybody who's yeah. kind of feeling stuck because it helped us just, it brought in our viewpoint on food yeah. and it brought in our viewpoint on what health meant to mm-hmm. us for sure. Yeah. And I mean, there's some people like, I mean, there was a guy, a different, it's so funny that all my favorite 
stories involve men, but because most of my clients are women. Because men are um, helpless. But, yes. <laughs> but it is just interesting. But there was a guy that actually like, uh, there was a cancer, there was a hospital, sorry, not the Cancer Institute. There was a hospital who called me who said, we have this patient who are dietitians. We can't figure it out. Like we can't figure out why we can't help him. We're going to bring you in to work with him and insurance is going to pay for it for him. And I was like, perfect, let's do it. He's been, I mean, again, he was a father, husband, all these things. He worked in IT. He was on all these medications. He was going to the hospital twice a week for different treatments. He was told that like he probably had 12 years left to live and this was just the disease he was going to have to live with. And the medications weren't working. Everything was making it worse. Didn't seem to make a difference what foods he did or didn't eat. They'd kind of tried everything under the sun in their opinion. So then I meet with him and I'm like, cool, tell me more. Tell me about every inch of your body. Like, tell me what symptoms you have. Like, how's your skin? Is it dry? Is it this? Whatever. Long story short, I'm like overanalyzing every single thing this person could possibly tell me about themselves. And it turns out there was like this weird rash on his ankle that he had never even thought of because it's just a rash. It was like this big, like the size of a penny. I mean, it was tiny. It was like, I don't know. I've had that since I was a kid. Well, in my mind, like I was trained differently. I wasn't it trained just to be a dietitian. Like I was trained to look at little things like that and think, okay, what would cause that? So and I instantly knew he has celiac and it's gone undiagnosed. And then he and got all of these doctors, all of these dietitians at the hospital. Nobody thought that. Nobody, nobody thought would that. think that that little tiny penny sized rash would be celiac. He's gotten tested for celiac. He never tested, but we got rid of gluten Every single thing went away. He is now off of the eight medications that he was on. He's working out. He's living a normal life. And all of the diseases that he thought he had are truly gone. Wow. So, like, there's little things like that that just happen. And, like, not to say that that's the case for everybody, right? Because there are diseases. Like, obviously, like, I went through that, too. But there's a lot of times where, like... You just have to be willing to fight for yourself. Like you have to be willing to ask the questions and to do the legwork to figure it out. And it's good to have someone on your side while you're doing that. It's real lonely right. if you're trying to do it by yourself or try to figure it out yourself. For sure. And to have somebody that you're accountable to and that helps right. you along, I think is a, as we said before, a complete game changer. Well, and you're yeah. not trying to disprove doctors. No. It, or you're not, not trying all. to disprove medicine. You're just no. saying there could be other options right. for somebody looking for something else. Right. That's so when, when you when you were diagnosed with cancer and you came home for treatments from Amsterdam, when you talk to your doctors about being plant-based and about how you lived your life and what your training was in, did they think that had any impact on your life? What was their relationship and thought about food as impacting your health? So at first they said, it's not going to make a difference. You can do whatever you want. You're just going to have this. Like you're going to have immune problems. You're going to have this. You're going to live with this forever. Um, now, and even after like while I was going through, through treatments, my doctors were like, why are you recovering so quickly? Oh, because my cancer was so bad. I mean, it it spread and doubled in size overnight. In 24 hours, my tumor doubled in size. So if we're talking about aggressive and like what stage, like where it was at in process, like and then two weeks later when I actually had the surgery to remove the tumors that had now spread and multiplied and whatever, like 
they said you will take six to eight months to fully recover from this because of how toxic your body was and everything you went through. And within two weeks, I was like, can I go back to boot camp yet? Like I was completely fine. Everything like I healed my inflammation was like, and even to this day, I've been on, I mean, this is just something with people who've had thyroid problems. You know, most people change their dose all the time. Like your, th- your hormones don't normally stay very stable. They bounce around and most people who are on thyroid pills change their dose every month or every other month or quarterly. I mean, it's very common for them to not stay consistent. I've been on the same dose for five years and my doctors still to this day, they're like, I don't know how you do so well because people like you had the worst case that we've ever seen in your age and things like that, but you do better than the people with the most minor cases. So they're still saying, yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. And, but, but they do know how because but they, they do. Yeah. They, that's yeah. what's so crazy so like, about it is yeah. that I, I think that it takes, it's, you have to suspend reality a little bit, right. the reality that we've known our entire lives right. to really understand that what you're putting in your body makes a difference. Makes 100% of the right. difference. Like, I'm not. I don't think that if I wouldn't have gotten treatments, I would still be here. I think I needed Western medicine. There's a time and a place, and those doctors saved my lives. But I think I am here, and I am as healthy and vibrant and alive as I am because of the things I do on a daily basis. And I refuse to believe that just because you had something in your past, you can't live a normal, healthy life and do all of the things that you want to do. Well, you've witnessed it. Right. Yeah. So, you. I yeah. mean, you have firsthand on right. seeing that happen for sure. that transformation happen for a lot of people. I think for me, the challenge with educating people in my life about the need to feed my children healthy, it's like I am trying to feed my children like the way my grandmother ate, mm-hmm. where things aren't super processed and they were mm-hmm. very clean. And it, it's hard to educate people on not just what types of food, but how the food is made. And I think that often I come off as like being very strict with my kids, which is funny because, you know, husband still has french fries when we go certain places or whatever. (laughs) But it is like, it's like, no, I want them like to eat cleaner in the sense of I don't want all the processing. Like, yes, you're feeding your kids the organic cheddar bunnies, but like, how are those made? Right. You know, like, exactly. It's just like things like that for me are a challenge with people in my life. And it's like, you taught me. that lesson and I've carried it with my family. Well, that's cool. But like, I also feel like with kids, it's like so fun because you get these like, I mean, in my mind, you get to like experiment and like witness the difference. Well, Huffman loves salad. Yeah. People think they're like, your two and two and a half year old loves salad. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, he freaking loves lettuce. (laughs) Like, I, I don't know why it's because we it. were eating salad and he said, can I have a bite? And now he likes salad. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. But it's like, even like the emotional roller coaster and the highs and the lows and like yeah. the temper tantrums that kids have, like they won't have that to the same degree if their body isn't just like constantly shooting with sugar and then crashing and then up and down and up and down and up and down. Like our internal world, which is inside our body, which is affected by what we put in it is identical to our external world. Like when you see someone with a lot of anxiety and a lot of just like mood swings and all sorts of stuff, like you kind of have to step back and be like, what's going on inside that's like 
causing that. It's like a it, donut. It's a reflection, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's a mirror. Oh, I know. I've Catherine's protecting the donut palace and have the old fashioned. Not every morning, though. Not every morning, maybe like once every six months. Oh, That's see, okay, right? everything in balance. Yeah, you yeah, still yeah. have no, no, to no. live a I'm life. Sure. You still got to live your life and I'm treat yourself. I'm more reflecting my two year, two year old on a donut. Okay, so you were. Your coaching business was going well. You had yeah. clients you were helping. What made you say, I want to open a restaurant? Because you can only coach so many people. And so only so many people um, need coaching. You know, not everybody. I mean, I do think everybody could benefit from coaching. I'd be lying if I didn't say that. Um, but a lot of people, not everybody will come around to the idea that they need coaching. I'll put it that way. Um, and not everybody can afford coaching, right? Um, and so my mission was not to like open some huge restaurant where we could, you know, whatever it was more so like, how do I spread this amongst more people? How do I impact the community in a bigger way? How do I make it accessible for people to come in and learn something new? So even though like, and this is <laughs> the worst business model because <laughs> I told someone this yesterday, <laughs> but like, I want people to come in and I don't want them to have to come back every day. I want them to come in and I want them to learn something that they can go do at home. Like, I want you to come in and eat the quinoa pesto and fall in love with it and be like, oh, wow, there's only like four ingredients. I could make that at home. Right. Or come in, try a smoothie and be like, wow, I had more energy today. And then light bulb, maybe I should have smoothies more often. Da, 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 find a recipe, make it at home. Like, I wanted to be a, a space where they could learn something, find inspiration, feel better and go change their daily lives. And yeah, you know, a lot of restaurants try to complicate the the menu and granted we do have some fancy ingredients that not everybody can pronounce, but like we'll tell you all about them, you know? Like we want to educate people. And I don't want it to be a space where we're like, "Oh, you can only get that here because then how am I impacting your daily life?" Yeah, that's so, a, I was going to say, because the concept of plant seems simplistic, mm-hmm. plant-based food. The yeah. ingredients, however, are super complex, super meaningful, super mm-hmm. intentional. Yeah. So how do you educate people on, like, why bee pollen? So, like, we, I mean, step one for us was, like, we have these educational handouts, which are on our counter. If you've never been to plant, you don't even have to come order anything. Just come pick up an educational handout and learn something. Uh, But we have these, like, booklets that talk about, like, every single ingredient we have in our kitchen and what the health benefits are. How come I've never seen this booklet? I I mean, I've been to plant It's the little green booklet right in front of the register. Can you take it with you? You can take it home. We have thousands. Is it on your website too? It's not, but I'm actually getting ready to upload a PDF copy so people can get oh, it digitally good. too. We'll send it okay, to us and we'll yeah. yes, we'll yeah, put yeah. it on okay, we'll cool. our yeah. website. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we have those and like people take those all the time. Uh, we sell all the supplements and stuff that we use so people can like read about them and also take them home because we order them from all over the place and they're not available in places like Sprouts or Whole Foods and stuff like that because they don't carry that extent of quality. Um, they do carry a lot of good stuff, but not the extra, extra, extra quality stuff. Um, this is the Chanel yes. of supplements. Yes. Okay. And it's like the thing that you'll spend a little bit of money on and it'll last you all year. Um, but so anyway, we have a lot of that. Now, like we try to train our teams. Like if you were to come in and be like, hey, I just worked out. Um, what do I need as like a post-recovery fuel? Like, 
every single person behind that counter knows what to tell you. Like, the athlete. They've gone through training. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, if you want to know like, okay, why is Maka and the athlete? Everybody knows to tell you like it helps your adrenal glands. Like it supports your adrenal glands. It helps you recover faster. It helps your hormones, things like that. So like we put a lot of time into training the staff so that they can also educate you. Cause obviously I can't be there 24 seven hours at 24 seven and like be there all the time to always answer questions. But hopefully the people that are there can also help. Um, or they'll at least see an ingredient and look it up, right? If they don't ask questions. Where well, yeah, athlete is my favorite smoothie. Just it is you know. so good. It's the so immortal good. is mine, but it's very similar to the athlete. It is. Yeah, I've ordered that one too. Maybe I need similar. to drink more smoothies. I, I, I drink a smoothie, smoothie and then I'm hungry an hour later. I can't. Oh. Does I know? Don't you I, add, you got to add enough fat and enough protein. Well, I try that. Hmm. I've got. Clearly, I need some coaching. <laughs> you might have a new client at the end of this. <laughs> Plant is literally just all of my favorite foods in one little spot. Well, I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, from your because re- I've done your cleanse uh-huh. through your coaching, the twenty-one day cleanse, and a lot of the food, yeah. is or not a lot of it, but most of it's it is. Yeah, it's all very similar. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah. So, yeah. what did Oklahoma City think? I mean, if you had opened a plant in, on Union Street in San Francisco, you would have had a line around the block and mm-hmm. people would have known every single ingredient that you had on the menu. Yeah. When you opened it in Oklahoma City, I knew you, I know you probably knew you were going to have a little bit of a challenge or at least mm-hmm. some questions. A learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yes. A learning curve for your customer. Was it more well received than you thought it would be? Did people know more than you thought they knew? 100%. Both. Um, when we opened, you know, I thought we might be busy. <laughs> we tripled our staff the first week. Um, we were there until four in the morning and then getting back at five. Just I, I remember talking prep to you when that enough. was Yeah, actually, I on. ran into you too, and I was like, "Are you okay? Are oh my you God. okay? I don't. Even, I don't okay? remember the first two months we were like." But you I, also tripled your sales, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, then, yeah, of yeah. course. But then it was more like a trend, right? Like, everybody wants to try the new hotspot. Everybody wants to know what's going on in the city. So, like, people were coming in clueless of what we were. And everyone was talking about the blue smoothie, right? Everybody was posting pictures of this blue smoothie. And so, everybody wanted to come try it. So, like, people were literally waiting an hour to get a smoothie. It was Instagram-worthy. Yes. They had to have oh, it on yeah. the gram. Of course. So, that was a blast, um, and like getting to educate those people and whatever. I mean, obviously we had a lot of people who loved it and then we had people who were like, this is terrible. I'm never coming back. Um, and that's okay too. Like we're not going to be everybody's favorite place and that's cool. But a lot of people were just like, this is insane. Why would I spend $10 on a smoothie? You know, when I can go to tropical cafe and get one for Don't six, even, I can't. right? Well, like obviously not everybody understands what like real food means, so that part of the population, like we can only educate them so much because they have to come in knowing like, I want real food. Um, and, and it matters in my life. Yeah, and, it matters and then the we can teach them all about why. Right. Uh, but the people who aren't there, like they're probably not going to come to plant until they are ready for that. Um, yeah. So it was definitely a lot busier than we ever expected. A lot of people, like I would say it was, I would say people knew a lot more than I thought. We still get people who have no idea. And like, I love it. Like, I love getting to like teach people new things and see that like light bulb go on for them. So that's always a really good time. So it's been really cool to see. So Oklahoma City was definitely far more ready for it than I ever thought they were. 
Uh, we launched curbside. We launched delivery. Like we tried to adapt and change as quick as we could possibly move. Um, just because my goal was like, we just got to keep the doors open and we got to keep our people paid. The day you launched curbside, I spent $112 <laughs> on lunch for I my on lunch. <laughs> no, because <laughs> we had, I had been cooking three meals a day for oh, my that's family. Right. You're, you're like, I'm so over it. it. And I was so over it. And then I, I saw on Instagram curbside was available and I'm not kidding. Emma, I like threw my kids in the car and I'm like, you're going right now. <laughs> I don't care how much it costs me. I food and the I next just week. kept uh-huh. ordering random stuff. And Jeff was like, why did you order all this food? And I was <laughs> like, like sick I was like, cooking. I can't. Can't cook yeah. another meal. It's so, so. true. Uh, it it's was so true. But your food is like you know the food that loves you back. Isn't that what That's it is? That's our saying, yes. and it really is. Yes, because it does. It'll just so hug what, you right back. Uh, what's next for plant? We're working you. on a second location. Is it going to be in Nixos Plaza right next to me? It's not. I wish. Please, there's an empty space literally I next know. to me. I will be your best customer. That would be fun. Maybe location three. Okay. I'm not going to say no to it. I Number mean, two, we're working on Edmund. Oh, you had to go to Edmund. I well, know. But you I know it's me, where you came from. It's I where know, you grew up. But she told me that the Edmund is at the Business Bureau in Edmund contacted her because the vegan portions of restaurants in Edmund were like outselling. Like yeah. the, it was like they they have they're, a huge. They're hungry vegan. for it. Yes. They need it. How did they know that? I don't think that a lot of the restaurants. Um, Sales is aware of that. I think I Edmund. There's a lot of developers. There's a lot of individuals who are really trying to get Edmund more established. Right? They're trying to bring more stuff down there. So they just did a ton of research, like trying with other restaurants and asking for data and things like that. Asking like, hey, what are people hungry for? What are people needing? What are we lacking in Edmund? Um, I mean, we've been hit up by people, different people in Edmond since before Midtown even opened. And so, and truthfully, I mean, the week plant in Midtown opened, like there was one day I like jumped in the car and flew down to Edmond and to look at a spot. And it, I mean, that spot is not where we're going, but anyway, like we've had the vision for going down there for a really long time, just cause obviously again, I can't, grew up there. Like it's part of like my history. It's part of like a community that I want to serve and be a part of. Um, so obviously COVID has slowed things down dramatically. We would have been open by now. Um, but we're working on it. I can't say when it's going to happen, but it's going to happen at some point in 2021. And so it'll be super exciting because it'll be a little bit bigger of a space so we can do like kids lunches. So like moms can pick up like lunches to send to school, just depending on when we, um, when they get started. It's about a 120 day build out. Oh, okay. So it's like a four month process once they actually start. Gotcha. So, so what, so how many years ago did you start working for Matthew Kenny? 10 years ago? I was 17. So yeah, 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, you started working for Matthew Kenny. I lived here then and I can remember, and I would say I'm pretty progressive on the food front. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I've lived in a lot of cities, so I'm pretty progressive in general, Mm -hmm. but I can remember when it opened, I thought to myself, is that ever going to work in Oklahoma City? Is everybody? Is anyone ever going to get on board? And I have to admit, I never went because my husband does not <laughs> eat like this ever. I, I, ever. Yeah. He might be your newest client. So I, I had I, I never went, but I did eat fairly healthy at home, but I was definitely not plant-based. But now, 10 years later, here we are with a full thriving mm-hmm. plant-based restaurant in Oklahoma City. Matthew Kinney had to be the first. Sometimes it's not easy to be the first. Mm-hmm. You're going to open a second location 10 years from now, what do you see for Oklahoma City in terms of its relationship with food and health and 
Do you think plants going to have 10 locations around the state? What do you think? Back in Oklahoma City in 10 years from now. You think so? There will be more. So, Emma, we're at the final question. Ready? I can't believe we've gotten here so quickly. I feel like it's sped by. (laughs) We ask every guest the same question at the end. Your best friend from out of town springs a visit on you. It's coming this weekend. You pick them up at the airport. Where do you go first? Can I give you a list? Yes, we love a list. <laughs> so if she's coming in from out of town, she's definitely going to be coming in from Amsterdam because it's my friend Caitlin and I just need her to come here. Can we meet her when she gets here? Yes. Okay, oh my good. gosh, she's a blast. Um, anyway, so first, I think we would have to go to brunch at Plant because she would obviously want to see it, but she also has to have the pancakes. We would definitely go to Vast for a cocktail and the view. Can't beat it. And they have the best cocktails. And then we would have to have dinner at Ludovine. I don't know if you're fans of Ludovine or not. I am. Love Ludovine, the inside, the design. I mean, everything about it is just like phenomenal in my mind. I love going there. And last but not least, we would have to end the night at Groovies. Oh, Oh, well, of course. (laughs) If I could stay up past 10, I'll go with you. uh, I miss kind of going to Groovies. (sighs) Yeah, in my mind, we're past COVID when she's coming. Okay, yes, okay. yes, yeah. we're yeah. COVID free. COVID. She can't COVID come from Amsterdam now, anyways. We so. are going exactly. See, Although are- you, I always get yelled at for having my drink on the dance floor. Yeah, you can't have your drinks in the middle. But uh-huh. you know what? You, I always tell I like people to cut this. a rug and drink at the same time. <laughs> see, I tell everybody this: you shouldn't go to Groovies to drink. You got to go to Groovies to be on the dance floor. Yeah, you got to show up ready to dance. So you have to show up already three sheets to the wind. Or <laughs> so I go sober, and I will still dance listen. I'll try. I do not believe for one second you go sober <laughs> i have gone so you know my friend mallory yes i went oh, to high know, school mallory malloy yeah. mallory and malloy oh, and i mallory. are known for shout going out to, to mallory malloy. yeah shout Hi, out to mallory <laughs> on tuesdays in our workout clothes and dancing until two in the morning so just to dance just to dance just to i, do- I believe Listen, that actually now mal has some some rules that i've given her over the years <laughs> from when she used to babysit <laughs> the rule is beer water beer water we had to learn that early <laughs> And Mallory, I hope you're still practicing that oh role God, that I gave that you all so those good. years ago. Wait, it's that's true. amazing. <laughs> yeah. But truly, like whenever I was a Lululemon ambassador, they asked me the same type of question. Like if someone, you know, if you're trying to show someone the best night in Oklahoma City, what do you do? And I said, they have to go to Groovies with me. Um, I just think it's part of my part of my blood. I'm supposed to be there. Okay. Oh. So maybe since Caitlin can't come from Amsterdam, maybe Emmy and I need to go with you yes. on this day of eating. I wonder dancing. if we could rent out groovies just for the three of us. <laughs> I, would I bet do we it. could. Like we don't even need the bartender. No, just no. Like, we just no. Need, I just need, just gro- I just the, need the confetti yeah. and I need the music, and, the music. and I need the strobe lights and I need <laughs> Wait, the vibe. Of okay. Like you know how you can rent out a movie theater now? Yes. yes. Now I we can rent out groovies. <laughs> Emma, thanks for being here. Uh, Thank you so much. Loved it. You're so such fun. a ray of sunshine. We'll see you at Plant for sure. See you at Plant. Emma, where can people find you? They can find me at emma-ryan.com. There's a blog, lots of recipes, a list of events, all my contact information, coaching stuff is there. Emma Ryan VC on Instagram or Facebook. And then they can find plant at plantokc.com or plantokc on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at actioncityokc. Or for business inquiries, email us at hello at actioncityokc.com. Action City is produced by Black & Studios. 
You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blackened Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.